Welcome to a very special Advent edition of Outside the Walls. We're coming up on the second Sunday of Advent as we prepare for the coming of Christ. My name is Timothy Putnam, and I'll be your host for the next hour. Each week, we gather right here to explore the foundations of our faith, to look at the implications of our faith, so that together, you and I can prepare for Christ to come and prepare to live outside the walls. I have a hard time every week uh, as the intro music plays not to sing along. I really do. Uh, and every week, our, our bumper music comes from the very talented couple. Uh, they are a married couple, even though their last names are different. Uh, Andy Gullihorn and Jill Phillips. Uh, they live down in Nashville. They do just some stellar work. Uh, and so they our, our normal bumper music comes from their albums. We had Andy on, uh, gosh, probably during Lent this last year talking about the power of a story and, and the vulnerability with which he writes. Uh, and so that our normal bumper music comes from uh, a song off of one of his wife's album called Nobody's Got It All Together. Uh, but this is also Andy and Jill. It's their Christmas album, and they, uh, they did this album together. And it's stellar. It's just stellar. I love it. And I really, um, it's really hard for me not to sing along with that arrangement of Once in Royal David City because it's just so compelling. Uh, so, you know, if you want to give them just a, a great big thank you, uh, if you want to listen to just talented musicians, uh, go and pick that up. You can get it from their websites, andygullihorn.com, jillphillips.com, or just go straight to the iTunes store, uh, download that Christmas album, Christmas by Andy Gullihorn and Jill Phillips, uh, and you will be listening to what I've been listening to uh, just about on repeat. So, um, yeah, we are here in the second, no, I guess tomorrow, we hit the second week of Advent. And uh, gosh, this is just, I love the preparatory seasons. Uh, I, Easter is great. Christmas is great. But I love Advent. And I love Lent. And I know that that makes me weird. Uh, but I feel like my life is so very often in this uh, need of preparation that I'm, I'm preparing for, <laughs> for something else. And so, um, so yeah, this, I, I love this season because I, I feel I, almost like I have permission to ache just a little bit for things to be better, right? And this is what the season of Advent does for us. It gives us permission to ache that the world is in turmoil and maybe our lives are in turmoil and, and that while it's not okay that the world is like this, that it's not unexpected and that Christ has made a way. The whole reason that we have the incarnation where God became man is because the world is in turmoil and our lives are in turmoil and we need a Savior. And our own righteousness can't do it. Our own good works can't do it. Our own, uh, all of our uh, best show can't do it. Our best foot forward can't do it. It can't bring us into relationship with God. We needed God to come and restore that relationship. So that's what he, that's what Advent's all about. That's what we're going to be talking about here in just a bit. I uh, got a great guest today. Uh, we're talking with Matt Swaim. He is the uh, the co-founder and former host of the Sunrise Morning Show, 
Currently, he's working as the communications coordinator for the Coming Home Network International. Uh, so we're going to talk a little bit about uh, we're going to talk about Advent, and then we're going to talk about uh, a little bit about what he's doing right now, and then we're going to take some time because we're going to do things a little differently today. Uh, it's Advent; you just don't know what to expect. We're going to talk a little bit about what uh, what it looks like for him in his household with a small child. Uh, as he is living out the season of Advent and preparing for uh, for the Christmas season. So uh, this is going to be a jam-packed show today. So what that means is that this time where we normally just kind of talk about what's going on in the day and talk about what's going on uh, around the world, we're instead going to jump straight into what we normally do in the last segment. We're going to look at Scripture. We're going to look at uh, a reading from church history. Uh, and I, I'm going to talk to you just a little bit about becoming a friend of the show. Uh, because this is the giving season, and I've got a giveaway that I'm going to give away uh, during the eight days of Christmas. Sometime during those eight days of Christmas, I've got uh, a few books, a little package that I want to give away to my friends of the show, and that could be you. Uh, the way you go about that is go to my website, OutsideTheWalls.com, uh, click on that Friend of the Show tab, and read through that little uh, that little appeal if you love this show and you want to see it continue, one of the ways you can do that is by donating a one-time gift or for as little as $10 a month, you can become eligible for all our extra content, the giveaways, the, the special videos, and, and much more. Uh, all you got to do is uh, for the cost of a bag of coffee, you say, hey, we love this show. We want to help it continue for as long as possible. And uh, you do that right over at OutsideTheWalls.com. Now, let's go ahead. We're going to do things all backwards today. We're going to start with our reading from church history. This comes from the, the Proslogion by St. Anselm. And, and I think this really kind of sums up for me uh, what Advent is. And he starts off just so, uh, so edifying. He starts off saying, insignificant man. Do you ever feel insignificant? I, I think that's, you know, we have Lent and Advent to remind us that you know, we can be kind of insignificant, and yet God cared so much for us that he made a way uh, to redeem us and to elevate us into the sacramental life, into the sharing of the divine life. Uh, so don't be turned off by how he starts. Listen to this prescription for our Advent season. He says, insignificant man, escape from your everyday business for a short while. Hide for a moment from your restless thoughts. Break off from your cares and troubles and be less concerned about your tasks and labors. Make a little time for God and rest a while in Him. Enter into your mind's inner chamber. Shut out everything but God and whatever helps you to seek Him. And when you have shut the door, look for Him. Speak now to God and say with your whole heart, I seek your face, your face, Lord, I desire. Lord, my God, teach my heart where and how to seek you, where and how to find you. Lord, if you are not here, where shall I look for you in your absence? Yet if you are everywhere, why do I not see you when you are present? But surely you dwell in light inaccessible. And where is light inaccessible? And how shall I approach light inaccessible? Or who will lead me and bring me into it that I may see you there? And then by what signs and under what form shall I seek you? I have never seen you, Lord my God, and I do not know your face. Lord Most High, what shall this exile do so far from you? What shall your servant do, tormented by love of you, and cast so far from your face? 
He yearns to see you, and your face is too far from him. He desires to approach you, and your dwelling is unapproachable. He longs to find you and and does not know your dwelling place. He strives to look for you and does not know your face. Lord, you are my God. You are my Lord, and I've never seen you. You have made me and remade me, and you have given me all the good things I possess, and still I do not know you. I was made in order to see you, and I have not yet done that for which I was made. Lord, how long will it be? How long, Lord, will you forget us? How long will you turn your face away from us? When will you look upon us and hear us? When will you enlighten our eyes and show us your face? When will you give yourself back to us? Lord, look upon us, hear us, and enlighten us. Show us your very self. Restore yourself to us that it may go well with us whose life is so evil without you. Take pity on our efforts and our striving toward you, for we have no strength apart from you. Teach me to seek you. And when I seek you, show yourself to me, for I cannot seek you unless you teach me, nor can I find you unless you show yourself to me. Let me seek you in desiring you and desire you in seeking you, find you in loving you. That reading comes from the Proslogion by St. Anselm. And to me, that is the whole of Advent, that realizing that we feel so far and, and, and the world is so wrong uh, and, and somehow we have to find our way to him. We have to find uh, realizing that we can't ever find God if he doesn't reveal himself to us. That's what this whole season of Advent is as we read daily, 15 minutes a day, those readings the church gives us. You can get to them at usccb.org. Uh, those readings prepare us day after day after day to find Christ, to realize uh, that the world is just a little bit twisted, that even in our own lives we're a little bit twisted, and to find that peace of the presence of Christ. And all the readings right now in the church are ordered towards this, of realizing that things are not right. Uh, you know, the, the, the Isaiah reading this week starts about promising the coming of Christ, that uh, the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, a spirit of wisdom and understanding, of, of counsel and strength, of knowledge and of fear of the Lord, and his delight shall be the fear of the Lord, and not by appearance shall he judge, nor by hearsay shall he decide. No, instead, all will be right again. Even these Old Testament readings are drawing us towards this promised Messiah, that that God is going to ordain it, that things are put right. And so wherever you are in your life right now, maybe you are a little bit heavy on the realization that all is not right with the world this Advent is for you. This Advent is for you to, to, uh, to rest a little bit in this promise that Christ has come, that all things would be renewed and made right. Join us over on facebook.com slash step outside the walls. Twitter, the handle's at outside the walls. When we return, we're going to be talking with Matt Swaim uh, about Advent, about all is not right with the world, and yet, and yet there is hope. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Outside the Walls with Timothy Putnam.
Welcome back to Outside the Walls. I am your host, Timothy Putnam. Glad to have you here. Thanks for sticking through the break. Well, we, we've got a, a fun show for you today here in this, uh, the, the, the vigil to the second week of Advent. Uh, hope your Advent has been going well so far. Uh, we're going to be talking with another radio professional today. We're talking with Matt Swaim, co-creator and former host of the Sunrise Morning Show, uh, now working with the Coming Home Network International. You know the name Marcus Grodi. We had him on the show earlier this year. Uh, and we had him on, I think, in, in Lent, so it's only fitting that we bring someone else from the Coming Home Network uh, in this other preparatory season, the season of Advent. So, uh, Matt, thanks for being on the show today. You know, Mother Angelica says, keep us between your gas and electric bills. Um, I think the Coming Home Network should say, keep us on the purple part of your calendar. <laughs> well, we'll just have to do that, huh? <laughs> we, you know, it comes around, it's, uh, it comes around twice a year. We get that purple part of the year. Uh, so thanks for for coming on, taking the time to. Hey, you bet, man! It's a pleasure. So I, I brought you on. We, I want to talk about the purple part of the year. Uh, Advent always comes around, and I think that maybe as converts we have a a picture of this happening at a, at a certain instance in our life. But Advent calls us to this yearly, this idea of recognizing that not everything is right in the world, that something is off. Right? We come to the the beginning of Advent, we finish with Christ the King Sunday, these uh, this triumphant readings, and then they take us right back to the beginning of, of, hey, things are wrong in the world. I mean, it's not these Jesus is coming readings, it's wake up, things are, things are bad. Uh, and so we get that yeah, for this first week. We certainly do. And, you know, it's, it's interesting, Henry Nouwen has a famous quote where he says, life is Advent because life is preparing for Christ, right? Mm -hmm. Life is all about waiting on God. And, you know, there's a lot of other things that we wait on, uh, that we expect to deliver. Uh, we wait on retirement, right? Mm -hmm. We wait on, well, except unless you work for the church and then you never retire. Uh, <laughs> 75 is a little cutoff for even the bishops. Uh, but you wait for, uh, you know, all kinds of things. You wait for children, uh, to mm -hmm. come, you know, when you're, the spouse is pregnant. You know, it, there are there are all kinds of these waitings that have kind of like a resolution. But I think it was St. Bernard of Clairvaux who who talks about how there are kind of like three comings of Christ. Yeah, yeah. Right? There's is. the coming of Christ uh, at Christmas, right, as a, as a baby. And then there's the coming of Christ at the end of all things. But in here in the middle, there's this sort of subtle coming of Christ where Christ is kind of continually breaking through to us in various and sundry ways. And it's up to us to kind of pay attention because he's breaking through a mess, mm -hmm. uh, just like he broke through a mess in Bethlehem, just like he's going to break through a mess when it's all over. He's breaking through the mess of whatever it is that we're doing every day, whatever it is that's in the news cycle, whatever it is that's in our daily planner, right? right? It's a mess. And we know, I mean, if it were all perfect and good and well, then everyone would get eight hours of sleep a night. <laughs> and I don't know about you, but I don't. I, <laughs> right? I have, I have uh, six children. So, All right. So yeah. you get, uh, that's one hour of sleep per child. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, you got some work to do, man. Yeah, working on it. So, uh, we, we have this, this picture in our readings, uh, that the church gives us that all's not right with the world. And, and I, you know, St. Bernard talked about the three comings of Christ. I see three specific areas where all is not right with the world. Uh, we have this, this personal level that you're alluding to right here where, we recognize just by the virtue that life is difficult, uh, that, that things aren't going uh, according to the way that we would like them to, that 
that life is not all is right with the world. But then we also have this uh, this socio-political sphere where we can look and say, really, no leader, no political party, no governmental structure, uh, not even just within our own framework in the United States, but really anywhere, no governmental structure is set up to replace the kingdom of God. And so we still have to wait for that perfection of that kingdom to come and to work for that kingdom to come every day. And then lastly, uh, I see this picture that all is not right with the world uh, in terms of uh, eschatology, in terms of realizing that we still wait, while we've been redeemed by the cross, while we've been redeemed by the incarnation, we still are waiting for the redemption of the whole world, for the, the removal of the curse, for the redemption of, as the, uh, the, the scriptures put it, of the cosmos, right? Yeah, and, and how does Jesus describe that, right? As labor pains, Mm -hmm. <laughs> right, right. Uh, you know, which is a perfect tie tie in back to the uh, you know the the incarnation and the advent of Jesus at the first Christmas. But I want to go back to that second thing that you mentioned because okay. I think it's really crucial. I mean, think about why so many people missed Jesus as the Messiah the first time around. Uh, think about what even James and John were saying. Hey, Lord, uh, you know, why don't you put one of us at the left side and one of us at the right side when you come into your kingdom? They weren't thinking like heaven, right? right. They were thinking. Once you, you know, kill Caesar and, and, and we take over, right, uh, there's there's kind of like this hope that comes around every four years, especially in the United States, that somebody is going to make right all that is wrong with the world, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, and we can very easily as Christians get kind of caught up in that. And, you know, while it's our job to try and make sure the political order is just and reflects the values as best it can that the gospel mandates on civilization and society and the social order. Nobody that I've ever seen put up their name as a candidate for president of the United States has messianic credentials right. even remotely compared to what Jesus has. Right. So, uh, so again, I think that we're constantly looking for salvation from almost anywhere except for a manger, right? right. Almost anywhere except for the humiliation of the cross, right? Uh, if you can give us salvation through any other means, maybe through a voting booth, uh, you know, maybe through some tax contributions, that would be great. But there's the manger in the cross that we all got to deal with. We're talking with Matt Swaim here on Outside the Walls today. So Matt, you brought up that as the disciples were looking for this political solution, uh, that they risked missing the true thing. They they risked missing Christ altogether. In fact, many people did uh, outside of the, the apostles. So I think that that risk is still as strong for us today as I see many people get so, uh, throw in their hats so much with a political framework, uh, whether it be a personality or a platform, uh, that they they become blind to the aspects of their own candidate, their own platform that is not in line with the gospel. And I think we risk, as you know, uh, Plato, I think, said it, that we are political creatures, and we are that. Mm -hmm. But to the level that we, we give in to that nature uh, and don't submit in humility to Christ and to his gospel, I think we risk missing, uh, one, our vocation, but two, that greater calling uh, to, to really represent the gospel to the world. And there's so many aspects to what you just said. I mean, <laughs> you what well, you said, we got just a couple of segments here, man. You just like unpack somebody's doctoral <laughs> thesis. 
Um, but yeah, there's a, there's a, there's a lot to that. And, uh, it kind of comes down to the simple message that is brought to us at, at Lent, but also is brought to us, uh, in the readings that we hear at the beginning of Advent, because what is it we spo- we're supposed to do to fix the social order? What is it that we're supposed to do to bring about the kingdom of God? Well, John the Baptist sums it up when he says, repent, right? <laughs> right. When Mary comes to uh, appear in Fatima and gives all these apocalyptic messages uh, about what might happen, then she gives people their assignment. What's the assignment? Mm-hmm. Repent. Right. Right. Uh, it all goes back to kind of what G.K. Chesterton said when someone, you know, asked him to write an essay on what's wrong with the world. And he wrote back, I am sincerely G.K. Chesterton. Right. <laughs> right. Uh, I think that it's so at least for me, it's a struggle to find the problem anywhere, but in, in, in my own heart. Mm -hmm. Um, and I really, I really believe that God saves the world through saints. And that's a great idea, except we're all supposed to be saints. Mm -hmm. And that's where the rubber hits the road. That's where the challenge, uh, really comes. I mean, am I holy enough to take on this task. I mean, that's what we're supposed to be asking ourselves this Advent. I mean, Jesus Christ, when he came, he came into the womb of Mary. Mm-hmm. Am I that prepared to take on Christ in me as Mary was? Not even close, man. Not yeah. even close. That would be disruptive. <laughs> that'd mess up my that'd mess up my schedule. <laughs> I mean, I, I've got plans. I have things to do. I'm supposed to recognize Christ in such a way that it completely upends the entirety of my being? Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. So we'll, yeah. we, you know, we'll, we don't have a whole lot of time to get into that uh, in this break, but it, I think when we come back, I want to talk to you about uh, that point in time in your life where you did have the coming of Christ really shake up your life in, a, in an irretrievable way. Right. That point? Don't you mean those hundred points? <laughs> well, I, I'm sure. Right. I'm sure there were. Uh, but you know, I think for any person who has left one system of belief, one denomination, and come into sure. the Catholic Church, there has to be. Uh, while there are many points that led up to it, there is that point where you say, "Let it be done to me according to your will." Right. Yeah. And that Absolutely. you know that that fiat of Mary, and she is our pattern in this as we're walking through Advent recognizing that all is not right with the world, being met with an offer of the, the the presence of Christ being in our midst and really God with us, Emmanuel, and then having to respond. Yeah, and what she say that I wish I could say? Thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Right. <laughs> uh, you know, gratitude uh, is, is a hard response when you feel like you've just gotten the craziest mission in the world, right. which is what we're all given in baptism. Right. We're talking with Matt Swain today. He's the communications coordinator for the Coming Home Network International, uh, the, the producers of The Journey Home, as well as some other wonderful materials we'll talk about here in just a moment. Don't go anywhere. Why don't you join me over on Facebook, facebook.com slash step outside the walls. On Twitter, the handle is at outside the walls. Talk to me about a time that you've had to change your plans Uh, for Christ to be made manifest. We'll be right back after this, continuing our conversation with Matt Swain. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Outside the Walls.
Welcome back to Outside the Walls. I'm your host, Timothy Putnam. Got a great show today as we're talking with Matt Swain, communications coordinator for the Coming Home Network International. One of the things that they do, I'm sure you've heard of, is uh, the, the television show on EWTN, The Journey Home. Uh, but it's not the only thing they do. In fact, when I was first coming into the church, I connected with the Coming Home Network International because they they create a framework and a network of of uh, people who are looking to convert, generally of pastors who have their, their livelihoods and their investments in the Protestant church and are looking for a, a group of people who can help them as they look to leave behind their old networks and find new places and new ways to support their families, new ways to live, uh, as they make their journey into the Catholic Church. So, uh, Matt, what are some of the other things that you all do besides that that flagship that everyone knows, the television show? Well, everybody knows the television show with Marcus Grodi, which you have been on, which I was on a number of years ago even, uh, which hundreds of people have been on. But also, uh, as you mentioned, uh, being a unique source of fellowship and encouragement and uh, almost like a social safety net for people mm-hmm. because – you know, not every not every parish is equipped to handle somebody who's coming in with a million questions, especially if that person's already got some kind of like a master's degree in theology. Right. I mean, our CIA programs are usually, uh, you know, not equipped to handle somebody who's got letters after their last name or has been a pastor somewhere else. So mm-hmm. it really is crucial. And especially, um, you know, there are so many great people out there who are doing work in apologetics you know, answering the hard questions of, you know, what do Catholics believe about purgatory or the papacy or right. scripture or or whatever it happens to be. But the real hard questions, uh, uh, questions like, what am I supposed to do next? Right. <laughs> you know, that's, uh, that's really where the bulk of our work comes in. And we've been doing it. I mean, we're, we're breaking records. 2016 was a record year for us in terms of uh, people coming to us uh, on the journey and and seeking help. So we're busting at the seams over here. It's pretty awesome. Awesome. I remember when I came on the show, it wasn't too terribly long ago, and I'm thinking, oh, wow, hey, I'm, I'm going to be on EWTN. I'm going to be on the journey home. Uh, gosh, I'm going to have connections after that. And then I realized that everyone's been on the journey home. <laughs> <laughs> It's a, but it's a, it's a great place, and it's a source of encouragement for many people to see that hey, I'm not alone in this. I'm not the only yeah. person that's made this journey. But let's talk specifically. We're, we're in the last segment. We talked about Advent being a time, specifically the first week of Advent being a time to say, hey, wake up. All is not right with the world. Uh, but the second week of Advent, it seems that the readings are leading us more towards, hey, all is not right with the world, but don't freak out because there's hope. Right now there's, we now we start getting into the promises of Christ. Yeah, that there's a light at the end of the tunnel, and that light is the light that gives life to all men. <laughs> right, right. Uh, as Saint John tells us at the beginning of his his gospel, and uh, Pope Benedict the Sixteenth talked a lot about this, uh, not just in his encyclical Space Salvi, Saved in Hope, mm-hmm. uh, but also uh, in his homilies. If you've never had a chance to go back and read um, Pope Benedict's homilies for Advent in his Wednesday journal audiences as well. You know, there's a reason people kind of refer to him as the Pope of hope, um, because in a dictatorship of relativism, as he referred to it, or in a throwaway culture, as Pope Francis refers to it, or in a culture of death, as John Paul II called it, uh, it's easy to become very cynical, uh, easy to think that you know, there's nobody good in this world. Mm. All you have to do is just watch them. Everybody's going to disappoint you, all right? Every 
career option is going to be fraught with difficulty. Every child is not going to turn out the way that you hoped that they would turn out. Every marriage is not going to turn out the way that you hoped it was going to turn out. Every season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is not going to turn out the way that you <laughs> hoped it turned out. What did they do there? Uh. <laughs> uh, but in in all of this, we have, uh, as St. Paul says, a hope that does not disappoint. And it, it really hinges on the resurrection, um, which, you know, New life in Christ, we see the new life that comes in the in the birth of, of Jesus, but we also see the new life as we look ahead. Because even as Jesus is being brought and presented at the temple, you know, Simeon's saying, get ready. You guys are in for a wild ride. Right. Uh, be ready where this is going to take you. Even in the, in the birth of Jesus, there's that promise of even more suffering, even more tribulation. But at the end of that, there's hope. And as St. Paul tells us, uh, you know, if there is no hope of that resurrection, then we've got it worse than anybody else as Christians, right? We're to be pitied above all men. So let's go there. Uh, let's talk about, we talked last segment about Mary uh, hearing the the call of the angel and saying, let it be done to me according to your will. She goes through nine months. She the, she gives birth to Jesus. She takes him to the temple to present him as the law uh, uh, requires. And then Simeon's there and says, oh boy, is it going to get worse Talk to me about your journey into the Catholic Church, uh, getting receiving that call, saying, let it be done, and how's it gone from there? Tell us just as, in brief. Well, since we're you know, approaching Christmas, you've probably, uh, especially from a parent, at one point or another gotten a gift that wasn't a fun gift, but it was something that would enhance your life. And when you open it, you sort of groan, right? You're like... <laughs> I know I need new underwear and socks, but seriously, uh, right. you know, that's kind of how I felt as uh, I initially started to understand that the books I was reading, that the uh, thoughts I was thinking, that the questions I was asking were kind of Catholic questions. You know, when you're mm -hmm. growing up evangelical and strongly so, as I did, um, you, you, you kind of think that it's okay to explore almost any realm of Christianity except for that one, except the for that Catholic one. one. Um, and so as I began to read, and it really, for me, it was a couple of different things. Um, I already had kind of a, a Catholic understanding of the interrelationship between truth, good, beauty, and goodness, mm -hmm. truth, beauty, and goodness as transcendentals, that, that God speaks to the world even when he doesn't use words, mm -hmm. um, and that he He does so in, in kind of impractical ways. Uh, that kind of Catholic imagination was all, already a part of me, but once I started to realize that the people I was reading who were tapping into that were all the St. Augustines, the Flannery O'Connors, the Dorothy Days, the J.R.R. Tolkien's, and they all kind of had this one thing in common, and it was Holy Mother Church, mm -hmm. and it was specifically the Eucharist uh, sustaining them. But that's when I started to get a little bit nervous because, you know, I was used to conversion because as a non-Catholic Christian, you know, every time someone you know, lays out an altar call at the end of the service, you know, on Sunday morning, that's an opportunity for conversion or even, you know, daily there's an, it, it, there, we're called to take up our cross daily. I was accustomed to conversion, but not of the kind that would make me have to do something actually different mm -hmm. with my life. Um, Cause you were already there. I found it. I prayed that prayer. And now, right. You want me to do it again? 
Yeah. And I realized it was, it was like, I was just doing the warmups, man. I was, mm-hmm. I had been just in, in the warmups of Christianity. And what, what kind of struck me was the realization that what I was gearing up to do as a Catholic to receive the sacraments, um, as this fully kind of formed evangelical was something that illiterate peasants had been doing for 15 centuries, right? In a a way, it was a step forward, but in a way, it was a kind of a step backward uh, as well to kind of shrug off all the pomp and circumstance. And uh, a lot of pastors will tell you this as well, that uh, come through the Coming Home Network, that in a way, it's a radical step forward, even as it's a step backward. Mm -hmm. They're no longer the ones in charge of a congregation, even though they're on the craziest adventure of their life now that they've become uh, involved with the sacrament. So those are kind of some of the core issues um, that I was being confronted with is how do I make this gigantic leap forward while at the same time admitting I'm kind of like a baby in this? Yeah. For me, it's like I could quote you inside and out all the scripture in the world, but you ask me where to find something in an encyclical or in a church father. I'm like, who? Yeah. And these are the days before Wikipedia. (laughs) Right. So now I've found that a lot of people who have come into the Catholic church find their, their biggest conversion occurring after they've been confirmed that all of a sudden that they find that that first step into the Catholic church was actually the smallest step that they were going to have to make. That did, what's been the steps that you've found yourself converting after the fact? You know, I, I wish I could say that after my first confession, I never sinned again. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, you know, unfortunately, you know, I'm a human being. And so really tapping into the resources of the church uh, has been a lifeline for me because various things are struggles for people at various points al- along their their way, where whether it's a struggle with authority or whether it's a struggle with substance or whether it's a struggle with any kind of habitual sin or anger or, or whatever it happens to be. Um, I found that, you know, Satan's clever. He'll use your focus on one sin to try and whack you with another one that you're not paying attention to. And, uh, there is great, great wisdom in the fathers of the church. What's been kind of the big revelation for me, uh, along the way as just a kind of sinner on the road is how many saints have messy, messy backgrounds. Mm -hmm. You can't find a saint who hasn't committed. If you go through the list of the seven deadlies, you can find a saint who has recovered from every single one of them. Yeah. And you know, really that is the hope of Advent is that yes, wake up and see that we're in a dark place. See that all is not right with the world. See that all's not even right with us entirely. And yet, don't despair in that moment because something is coming. Christ and his redemption is coming. And so even as we uh, wrestle with the fact that things are broken, we know that uh, this season reminds us God is coming to be with us. God with us. Don't go anywhere. When we come back, we're going to continue this conversation with Matt Swain. He's the coordinator of communications for the Coming Home Network International. We're going to talk about Advent and uh, the family traditions we have as fathers, what kinds of things we do to instill the faith in our kids. Uh, What do you do in your household to set this season apart? Go over to facebook.com slash step outside the walls. On Twitter, the handle's at outside the walls. And tell me some of your traditions. Stick around as we talk about them right after this.
Welcome back to Outside the Walls. I am your host, Timothy Putnam. Having a great time talking with Matt Swaim today. Uh, we took our break and decided, let's just keep going. We're going to talk a little bit about the Advent traditions that we have in our families, the kinds of things that we do as fathers to instill the faith in our kids. Uh, and so let's talk Advent traditions. One of the things we're doing this year in our family is we're putting up our Advent bedtime routines up on Facebook Live every night. You're a brave soul. Oh, yeah, we are. You ought to join us. Uh, but, yeah, we put that up online, and what we're doing, we uh, we light the Advent candle, whichever one happens to be or however many happen to be. So far, we've had a couple of nights and with the one candle getting ready to do the second. Uh, but we do um, one of the hymns out of the, the evening prayer for that day out of the breviary, and then we do the Mass readings for that day of Advent, uh, and the kids participate in the um, uh, the responsorial psalm. Sometimes we read it, sometimes we sing it, and then we do uh, "O Come, O Come, Emmanuel." And of course, in school, they're learning that in Latin, so they're, we're doing that first Ooh. verse in Latin, uh, and then they blow out the candle. And then the best part is they have to go to bed after the candle is blown out. You can't make any more noise. Oh, I like that. It's part of the Advent thing. It's the anticipation and the waiting. So you got to be quiet. Got to be quiet. So we you do that. We send them to bed. They, with, all the lights are off. They've got to go upstairs without turning on lights and without talking and get into bed. And then we tuck them in and it's, it's, it's glorious. You know, that's kind of how they do it in the monastery once right. prayer shuts down for the night. Yeah. Sort of tiptoe back to your room. You got a little, uh, you little, know, they, they talk about the families, the domestic church. You got the domestic abbey. Right. Going on. So I like that's, that's what we do. Uh, my question is, you know, w- we try to make Advent as protracted as possible, right? So we do uh, the stockings on the 6th. We want to do, we don't conflate Santa Claus. Of course, we don't even talk, we talk about St. Nicholas. We don't even do Santa Claus because we're those grouch grouch parents. Uh, But, you know, we we don't want to conflate the stockings and the the gifts that we don't know where they came from with uh, the Christmas tree, right? We want Christmas to be Christmas. And then we give our kids... uh, three presents on Christmas. You get a gold, a frankincense, and a myrrh present, right? We're not going to, we're not going to over. Jesus only got three Christmas presents. Why should you get, Why any, should more you get any more than that? So uh, the fr- the gold is a, a toy that they like. Frankincense is a, something for their spiritual development and myrrh is something for their body. So uh, like uh, Snuggies or whatever this PJs or whatever the case may be. Um, so but then we try and as much as possible, like the first, I'm, I'm going into this way more than, you'll, I'll let you talk in a second, right? Uh, first, no, this is fascinating. Keep, keep for, going. First Sunday of Advent, we put up the, the, the non-perishables, right? We put up the garlands and the stockings and the uh, uh, whatever else the case may be, decorations around the house. Second Sunday of Advent, we put up the tree. The third Sunday of Advent, Joy Week, right, is when Love we... That day. That's when we light everything, right? That's when we put the Christmas lights nice. on the tree. That's when we put the ornaments on the tree. Uh, and then, uh, then the, the, last, the last week of Advent, I guess, is when we put the presents under the tree. And then, of course, we go to Midnight Mass because we're, we're gluttons for punishments with uh, six children under eight. Uh, <laughs> and, then, and then we sleep in as, as far as they'll let us, and we start Christmas morning by reading the gospel. But we, what we try to do is to build anticipation over the course of Advent and really stretch out that Christmas season and then celebrate it all the way to the baptism of the Lord so that they re- realize that Christmas day is not the, the end of it, right? That we're going to, we're going to keep this going until the season is over and everything goes back to ordinary time. 
Well, I'm glad you're recording this because I'm going to go back and listen to all of that and try and implement it in my own family. <laughs> Certainly. So now what, what are some, some great ideas? What are some of the things that you do uh, in your house to, to make Advent Advent? Well, you've got some children who are a little bit older uh, mm-hmm. than mine. We only have the one child so far. Uh, he's four. Um, his birthday is right before Christmas. He's a Christmas baby. Okay. Uh, but we've, we've done a couple things over the years. First of all, there are some decorations that are, uh, you know, kind of our famous Advent decorations. I have about a, an 18 inch tall Pope Benedict, the 16th nutcracker, uh, <laughs> that comes out as soon as we, uh, and we do it we start busting things out the first Sunday of Advent. No, not a moment before. All right. All right. We don't do it after the the day after Thanksgiving or anything like that. You know, we, we do wait until Advent to do things as much as is possible. We avoid Christmas music, Mm -hmm. um, and try and play, if we're going to play anything, stuff that doesn't celebrate the fact that Christmas is already here. Right. Right. And, And that's, that's really hard to do. Um, because there's not that many Advent songs. The, the thing that, um, that I love is being able to kind of just, you know, put all that Christmas stuff until Christmas. And that's really difficult to do because, you know, you got commercials that are playing it. You got targets playing it overhead and you know, whatever it happens to be. Right. Uh, but, but trying to, trying to push that off as much as we can. It was great that uh, a couple of years back, uh, the Benedictine Oblates of Mary came out with a CD called mm. Advent at Ephesus, which is all Advent music. Yep. So you can play that on loop. Um, if you want to, you want to kind of things, get things in the mood. Um, uh, another thing we do is the, the advent wreath in the center of the, the dinner table, uh, which is great, uh, because it really, you know, it, people should be praying before dinner anyway. Right. right. Uh, but, uh, we pray before dinner in a special way. Uh, every advent, we light the candle as we're getting ready to sit down to eat. And that's something I think it's it can be easy for someone who's not built up seasons of traditions and tried up something new on a bunch of different kids like you have, (laughs) who is just kind of like starting this for the first time to overthink it. Uh, You know, something as simple as lighting a candle uh, for a four year old is a pretty cool thing. Oh, yeah. Uh, Fire. Come on, dude. Um, I've seen all these uh, on on Pinterest and, and Facebook and that here's a here's a clay uh, advent wreath, so it's safe for kids. I'm like, listen, uh, you my kid's kids. gonna be so upset if there's not fire. They they're mesmerized. They'll just sit there and stare at it. And one of the things candle does, I love this this dinner idea because it it sets it apart automatically. Hey, something's different here. Mm-hmm. It sets a different mood. And uh, and really, I mean, they they kind of get entranced by watching the you the dim the lights. Dance. Yeah. You dim the lights, like you were saying, that theme of kind of like darkness, because Advent is, you know, the, it is the darkest season of the year anyway. It's already dark outside. Uh, but there, we, we had, um, Mate Roche uh, puts out some great children's resources through Ignatius Press, and there was a, a great Advent calendar that they put out a while back where it's a pop-up thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so it, it, the whole thing sort of pops up, and you pop out the different... Uh, you know, windows as, yeah. and the great thing about this one is it's not, you know, one, two, three, four, five across, uh, every day of Advent is kind of on a different part of this little Advent map. Yeah. Uh, so you kind of are busting out something different a little bit every day, but that Advent calendar thing is not something I grew up with. Mm-hmm. Um, I do remember that we had some kind of something where you glued a different cotton ball on Santa's beard every day leading up to Christmas, <laughs> but I don't remember anything like an Advent calendar. Now, but you went to you went to Asbury, which is a w- Wesleyan Arminian school, and right. I grew up 
Methodist, which is Wesley and Arminian, and we did Advent. We did that. We well, we, we had we Advent candles Advent, with chocolates but, on the inside. Right. And, you know, some people are cynical. I had a whole conversation about this with Lisa Hendy from CatholicMom.com a few years back because they uh, had come out recently with the beer Advent calendar with little mm. samples of various beers, you know, through the calendar. Or there's the chocolate ones. This year I saw one that's the cheese calendar. And, of course, there is my – all-time favorite, the Lego Star Wars advent calendar. <laughs> it's a different little figurine in each day. You know, I don't mind a little bit of materialism related to Christmas. It's not the materialism of Christmas that bothers me. It's the secularism of it. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Christ has come. Let's break out the good stuff, right? right? This, is, this is a time to celebrate you know, some of the best news the world has ever heard. Uh, I mean, the best news, the good news, right? Uh, so let's break out the, let's, let's break out the good stuff. Um, let's have as much fun as possible. Let's just not secularize it. It's the secularization of the season that I think is is a problem. I don't mind. Uh, you know, there's a a great story about, uh, C.S. Lewis tells about a kid coming home from Easter, uh, having gotten his candy and heard about the resurrection and, you know, muttering to himself, chocolate eggs and Jesus risen. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, what kind of day is better than that? Chocolate right. and Jesus rose from the dead. <laughs> That's right. Uh, you know, we've been re- reinforcing that anyway. When we're talking about how Sunday is supposed to be a special day. Sunday is the day we eat donuts. Oh, right. Uh, praise be to God. So I think that it's important to let kids have some of the stuff that's not good for them, mm-hmm. according to the FDA, uh, yeah. because I think it's good for them according to the, you know, Congregation for the Doctrine of Worship. Right. <laughs> right. right. Uh, so some of that celebration I think is I think is good. But again, balanced with that quietness, as you were saying at the end of the day, that we're, we're, we're toning things down. I So I've got this thing that I started last night. I'm going to start doing it every night of Advent. I got a phone. It's got a stopwatch on it. And before dinner, I say, I have, I let my child push the button, Mm -hmm. let my son Zeke push the button. I'm like, all right, when you're ready, hit it and see how long you can be quiet. And we start this before dinner so that once we get to dinner, we've already been quiet, Mm. you know, and, and that's just a simple, simple little thing. You know, and it's also kind of like a contest in a game, which kids love. Um, But it does, uh, as you were saying, I was so glad that you brought up that idea of winding down on a quiet note. Because how many of us have, you know, found ourselves falling asleep with the TV on, Mm -hmm. right? Or going from 60 to zero, you know, we've wrestled and wrangled and been rowdy. All right, kids, go to bed now. (laughs) Because that's going to work. Right. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. We've been talking today with Matt Swain, communications coordinator for the Coming Home Network International. You can find out more information about them over at chnetwork.org, chnetwork.org. Matt, thanks for being on the show today. Hey, thanks for the invitation. That's all the time we have for today. Join us next week. We're going to be talking with David Mosley, author of the book On the Edges of Elfland, a fairy tale for grownups. You're not going to want to miss it. Outside the Walls is a co-production of Breadbox Media and St. Michael Radio, heard around the world on live streaming, terrestrial radio, and podcast. Join us over on Facebook.com slash Step Outside the Walls and Twitter the handles at Outside the Walls. Until next week, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Peace.